Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. My name is David William Hanrady, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 88 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Getting closer to that 100 every day. So we are. <laughs> Hi, uh, Colin Regan's with me. What's up, man? Craig Patrick is not. No, he's not buried beneath college work. It's becoming a running joke, but it's actually ruining his life. He is incredibly stressed out yeah. and basically begged us to take the episode off. And we were like, it's fine, man. Because as it turns out, as, as fortune would, would have it, I had already lined up his replacement anyway. Mm-hmm. When I put out the call for... Fanula Jones! Woo! Ow! Hello, boys. I feel, bad about, I feel bad about doing the ow thing, but that's like that's a Craig thing and not like a demeaning to women thing. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just cheering. It's, it's neither one thing nor the other. It's fluid. Get your excuses in early. Have, have I offended everyone at this stage? <laughs> I think so. Uh, Fanula Jones is a journalist for Golden Plaque and the Daily Edge and even on like various radio stations and all kinds of things. I'm everywhere. She is I'm everywhere. omnipresent. Uh, a big name on Twitter as well. Afternoon, there you go. Afternoon, Hit that follow button with a with like four thousand strong following on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, it's taken us way too long, but we finally have you. So, welcome. Sure, what better episode to bring me in than this one? I'm upset though because there's an imbalance now because there's two cork people in the room. I know, as it should be always. And as someone who is also from a big town with a hill, <laughs> don't start. I knew you were going to ring this up. It's a city. Fanula, Cork City. Phil has threatened to murder me if I keep referring to Cork as a big town with a hill, but that's what it is, guys. Anyway, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, let's get going on the show. Uh, good news. Our quiz is really on fire at the moment, you might say. Tables are rushing out the door themselves. If you are unaware of what I'm referring to, we are doing a quiz of basically pop culture in 2017. In the Workman's Club on Thursday, the 7th of December. Think about it as our Christmas party or something. And uh, you can get your tickets at No Encore. 
quiz.eventbrite.ie. Tenor ahead, 35 a table, and this isn't me just giving you a hard sell. Numbers are genuinely starting to dwindle. There is limited space. 100 questions, a host of top prizes, which we're currently in final negotiations on, mm-hmm. which will be revealed soon. But don't wait until next week's episode. Get your tickets now. It's going to be a fucking awesome night, isn't it, Cullum? It's going to be excellent, yeah. I'm we're just giving my actual Christmas party for it, so... Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. And, and there's, like, what, Tour of the Guinness Factory or something? Yeah, so it's, yeah. It means a lot to all of us. Mm. It's close to my heart, yeah. Last will be last- there. I will. Yeah, on a, on a winning team, perhaps. I'll sign tweets if people want to print them out and bring them. <laughs> yeah, 8 by 10s yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's going to be great. And Colm and I are going to make it really great by actually doing the questions this weekend, probably. It's true, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else is going on? I went to a gig. Yeah, and not one that I'd have necessarily expected. Me neither. It was a last minute thing. I was given free tickets to Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. Three hours out. I was like, yeah, okay, fuck it, I'll go. And I, you know, it was surprisingly hard to find people at short notice, would you believe? I went through a few different people. Surely not. Before I arrived on a uh, friend of the show, Andrew Duffy. Andrew, that does not mean that you were my last resort or anything, by the way. Oh, it was just the way it, yeah. it was the way that the ball bounced. Okay? I was texting people in reverse alphabetical order, Andrew. That's what happened. <laughs> I had a blank- Zara got first shout. You were unfortunately pretty much last. I it's had just, a you know. blanket message that I sent to about 10 different people at once, and it was case of fastest finger first okay and it turns out a lot of people had plans yourself included yeah and uh, you missed a great gig though i thought it was excellent actually really good genuinely excellent yeah i mean okay depeche mode i know the hits that's yeah. it i don't know the rest i probably should but uh, i kind of hit up uh, sean adams when we had him on the show recently he mentioned that the depeche mode gig that he'd been to this summer was amazing so i heard the show was excellent and it did not disappoint at all uh, shout out to hannah for giving me the tickets by the way and ultimately yeah it was great it was like really theatrical a lot more theatrical by the way that i expected i didn't realize that depeche mode were so oh no they've always had extravagant that. i had to write a thing about a depeche mode gig from 1993 which surprise I wasn't at um, but so it meant that I had to read a lot about their tours back in the day and yeah they were huge productions like. massive production but also even like uh, Dave Gahan as a frontman I mean like and uh, Martin Gore is kind of his right like Martin Gore gets like a there's like a two he does two interludes where you know it's just him and a piano player on stage very theatrical very Rocky Horror show okay um, the whole thing felt like a weird splice between Nine Inch Nails Queen and Bon Jovi it's your natural Venn diagram. It was yeah. It was strange, uh, but it was packed. Crowd were fucking loving it. And I will say this, um, worth... Well, I was going to say worth the price of admission, but I didn't pay. Um, yeah, I was going to say, but would you pay to go see them again? Would I pay 80 euro, 80 euro to go and see them again? I would, because I feel like that is actually worth seeing and experiencing, rather, Enjoy the Silence live. Sure, because that was you. amazing. Yeah. And not only was it amazing, because of course, you know, they made a big deal of it. But I was like, I turned to Andrew at the end of it, and I was like, I would have taken 15 more minutes of that. Like, it was just an incredible, continuous build. And that, like, that like signature kind of riff thing, yeah. it's it's just, it's iconic. It's amazing. It's great. Like, to the point where, like, you know, they closed on Personal Jesus, and, like, that's an amazing song as well. But, like, Enjoy the Silence was the peak in the middle. It was phenomenal. It was a great gig. Really, really enjoyable. And, like I say, completely unexpected for a random Wednesday night. And I'm delighted that I went. And I'm actually delighted that I went in particular because it meant that I got to go to a gig this week. I was about to say, yeah, tonight should have been uh, yeah. brand new playing uh, here in Dublin in the at the theater. start of their UK and Ireland dates. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that is not going ahead now following uh, accusations of uh, that were levelled at uh, lead singer Jesse Lacey um, of sexual misconduct with a minor. These emerged at the weekend. Friday night. It didn't take long at all before there was an awful lot of backlash, obviously gathering uh, across social media, across the music world in general. Um, their support bands fairly quickly uh, issued statements withdrawing from gigs and the 
gigs themselves were officially cancelled by, I think, Monday morning. They were initially postponed on Monday morning, which I found strange, and then they were officially cancelled like a day later. Okay. So, yeah, okay, I mean, like, obviously no encore is a show where we try and be as fun and witty and irreverent as possible, but this is obviously a very serious issue, and I felt that we had to raise it, specifically because long-time listeners will know that uh, I'm a massive fan of Brand New and have been for the last 13 years of my life. And, you know, we reviewed science fiction on mm-hmm. when it came out in the summer, and I think we were all fairly enamoured with it. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're probably going to have to disqualify it from our albums of the year list at this stage. I, I don't quite know. Like, I think that would be the best thing to do. Because, again, I mean, I don't really... I'm finding it difficult to process this myself. Now, what I would say, first and foremost, is, I mean, you know, support fully with the victim's in this case. So, essentially, I mean, like, Jesse Lacey was accused of sexual misconduct of, like, engaging in um, relationships with, like, girls who were 15 and 16 when he was about 23 and 24. This was about 15 years ago. And he put out a statement essentially saying, I'm a sex addict and I have completely used women across the, my, my entire adult life and I've been horrible, I've cheated on my wife, I've manipulated people and I, you know, but he didn't directly acknowledge the specific allegations against him. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest response. No, and we've seen a spate of really bad apologies from people lately given the current climate of, of what is kind of happening with a lot of people being exposed for not being the um, wholesome heroes that we thought they were. So yeah, I mean, first and foremost, what I would say is absolutely, without question, um, full support to the people in question, the survivors and people who are experiencing trauma as a result of Jesse Lacey's actions, which appear to be accurate. They appear, these reports appear to be real. Um, the only thing, other thing I would say from my own kind of point of view is I saw some sentiment on Twitter because, of course, a lot of people are angry and a lot of people have opinions. And some people were kind of saying, like, you know, to the men who feel conflicted about their hero, Jesse Lacey, being exposed to be this kind of horrible person now, it's not about you. And I understand that. I understand completely what, that, what that's about. But what I would say is, again, I've been a fan of this band for 13 years. They've helped me through a lot of dark times. I wrote a review of their last gig in Ireland, not the one where they supported um, Biffy Clyro and I left before Biffy Clyro came on stage, right. but when they played Vicar Street about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I want to say, and I wrote this review because I was really struck during the gig. Uh, I kind of had a weird emotional reaction to it, and I wrote a review and I put it out online, and it was effectively me publicly admitting to the world about my own mental health issues yeah. and my own my struggles with depression over the years and how a very dear friend of mine named Adam hello Adam I know he listened to the show uh, helped me out in a massive way that I don't even think he realised when he would make me mix CDs and he made me a mix CD and one of them had brand new mixtape to open up the thing and another one had uh, okay I believe you but my Tommy gun down and I fell in love with brand new and I fell in love with that kind of angst and that kind of expression and I felt fairly compelled by it and I felt like maybe this person understood me and that's what music can do that's what great art does you you can relate to it on a certain level and I wrote this thing and I and I published it and it was basically me admitting all of this I, you know my friends of course and family would know this but I, you know you, you're putting your stuff out there it, it, it's quite vulnerable yeah. and I felt great about doing so and I felt like a massive weight lift off my shoulders and I have to recontextualize that entire night. I have to recontextualize that entire review that I wrote now in the wake of this thing because ultimately what I would say is I think people who are conflicted about how to feel about this, unless they're being ridiculously insensitive, and and I haven't really seen that much of that, thankfully. I think a lot of people have actually been very hardcore about, okay, no, fuck this, yeah. this is wrong, yeah. and I'm not supporting this anymore, I'm not supporting this band anymore. But I think it can be difficult for people to suddenly just 
close off a massive chapter of their life. Well, of course, it, yeah. I mean, that's the whole difficulty of this, isn't it? And I mean, you've seen it play out with a number of different actors and directors and everything else in in in, in the past couple of weeks, in particular. I'm sure there's going to be much more of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's something that I think we might have to kind of, in one way or another, get used to hearing. But yeah, I mean, like you know, it's absolutely fair to say that you should be disgusted by the allegations that have come out and so on and so forth. But I mean, it's unfair to say that anybody can kind of turn the clock back and be disgusted by albums that they heard well, 10 years thing, ago and meant a lot. Some people are now being like, oh, you know, listen to some of these songs now. And I'm like, well, you can do that with anything, really. You can really kind of, I mean, like, I think that's too much. I mean, yeah. all, you, I mean, like, you know, yeah, a lot of Jesse Lacey songs are about him treating people like shit. Yeah. But, you know, whether you bought into that as like, he's playing a character or whatever, I, I mean, I don't think it should completely change your growing experience, your formative experiences as a person when it comes to... Ultimately, what, what I want to say is this, people's reaction to this, like I say, unless you're being a complete prick about it, and I think most people aren't, and I think anyone who would is obviously a very ignorant person who, no, who, I, needs, I, who needs to be educated, but what I would say is human beings by design are incredibly flawed. We don't have a fucking guidebook for the right thing to do and the right thing to feel. People kind of, you know, they react and they grieve and they emote in different ways. And I think as a long-term fan of somebody who has now essentially betrayed you indirectly, and again, it doesn't compare. It does not compare. My kind of feelings in this do not compare to the women in question who were used and abused by Jesse Lacey. All I would say is that, like, you know, you do have the right to be, to not know how, what to do and how to properly approach it and what and, and how to feel. And, like, it takes time. I mean, to be honest, here's how I feel about it. I feel quite numb. I don't know how to feel. Uh, when I read those, when I read that report last Friday night, I, I kind of just was like, fuck. And I sent it to my friend Kira. And her immediate response, she was like, well, we're not going to the gig. And I was like, no, we're not going to the gig. I was like, I, I fully agree with that. That, that. That's the step to take. I wouldn't have, if, the, if that gig was going ahead, I wouldn't have wanted to go. It wouldn't have felt the same. It wouldn't have felt right. Like that. And that means that like 13 years of my life, or I mean, like, you know, obviously not you know, con- concurrently, but like a large part of my formative kind of, you know, thing as a person would be down to, a lot of music, a lot of films, a lot of books, a lot of TV shows, and when something like this comes along and completely taints them, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of time to know what to do about that and how to feel about that. But like I say, of course, support without question to people who've been very damaged by this. I think that's been the one good thing to take from this, just from my own personal view. Like I was really pleasantly surprised about how quickly people were like trying to get rid of their tickets when it wasn't I'd agree with you as well I was really surprised that it wasn't just cancelled outrightly from the off I thought that was really really weird especially given the public tone Um, that's a small piece of light in what is ultimately a lot of darkness I think sure um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, getting rid of tickets is one thing, getting rid of memories is the issue and the difficulty To wrap up, what I, what I would say is, I know that there's a current kind of feeling uh, and a growing kind of thing that, like, you know, the whole idea of separating the art from the artist, even hearing me say that sentence, I'm sure some people are like, fuck off. That's becoming less and less kind of one of those things. And I again, I just think it comes down to human beings and how they react to things and how they deal with it themselves. I don't think anybody is going to fucking put Jesse Lacey up there and be like, well, hang on. Like, you know, he's clearly done very wrong. and But at the same time, I don't agree with the complete destruction of a human being. I, 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 I just don't. I just don't really feel like, right, 
cool, let's fucking string him up and then go on to somebody else. I, I don't see what you get from that. I don't see how people can heal from that. It's just a very dark situation. And, I, and it does change how I feel about Brand New, and it will change how I feel about Brand New. And it's a terrible shame that I can't celebrate a band that had meant so much to me. But look, that's life, and you, you try and react as the best you can as a human being. And unfortunately, uh, our next news story is not a lot lighter. No. Far from it, in fact. Um, Little Peep was mentioned on the pod uh, a couple of months ago. He released uh, a single and, in fact, then kind of surprise released an album come on over when you're sober. Um, He was found dead this morning at at age 21. It's it's absolutely horrible. Uh, The single that he first released that brought into my attention and, well, Pitchfork's attention and then my own was a song called Kiss. came out late last year and I still love it. I listen to quite a lot today. I think it's an excellent song. There was a lot of buzz about this guy. Uh, there was the sense that he was going to be the next big thing. He was kind of marrying emo and rap, and some people loved it, and some people didn't. And he was kind of a poster boy for Vice and for Pitchfork. I think he'd actually done some fashion campaigns, and he had the world ahead of him, but obviously had struggles, uh, particularly because, you know, it's... I, let's not get into specifics, but, like, it's a suspected drug overdose. And on Twitter, his manager put out an incredibly stark tweet that I just feel was heat at the moment and I'm, I don't even know if it's still up but he basically said that he'd been waiting to get that phone call for over a year yeah and like Jesus like that what, what, what does that tell you of somebody who's 21 to be in that state I don't know and yeah I, know- I mean the, the guy was you know pretty candid in the fact that like yeah he did use prescription drugs in particular uh, as opposed to sort of you know those that we would normally associate with uh, music overdoses over the years i suppose um he also suffered from depression and was very open about that and uh yeah i I mean there was concern um i I believe a couple of hours before he'd posted a video himself saying you know listen I'm, i'm fine i've taken some drugs but i'm good and obviously then the next day we 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 awoke to this news um yeah it's sad it's just particularly frightening for me. like I'm I'm 22 and it's I just I saw the headlines and I was like oh this is a hoax I was like this isn't these are like unverified reports and then to see everything and it was just and just but I what I found surprising as well was I hadn't little peep hadn't really come up on my radar I hadn't listened to him. But amongst my own friends and amongst my age group, he seems to have touched a lot of people and people were such massive fans of his. And like so many people talked about how much more he was due to give. And to think of that all gone now is it's just it's frightening. Yeah. I mean, like someone from the Western world who, you know, has clout in the music industry or whatever, like you're not supposed to die at 21. It it doesn't it it doesn't work that way. It's going to be interesting to see if there's kind of fallout because, um, you know, in the US and politically speaking, the idea of kind of like prescription drug abuse and, and opioid addiction and so on and so forth has been kind of discussed now. I'm not sure just how much little peep would be on their radar, so to speak. But there's a piece even in The Guardian um, posted a couple of hours after his death kind of pointing towards how much US hip hop has st- started referencing these drugs as opposed to, like I said, the more traditional ones you expect to be mentioned and whether or not that's going to be something that, you know, there's more of an eye turn to, I suppose, and more of a clampdown on as time goes on. Yeah, tributes paid by the likes of Diplo and Post Malone and others and the shades here of Jay Riotard who was an excellent, excellent musician who died, I think I think he was 29 and yep. he, he died suddenly 
and he had so much more to give and he was a really kind of prolific guy and he was always doing stuff and he was always making music and it was really different and it was interesting and he was cool and he and he, he had an image and there was a certain kind of cult-like following for him much as there was with Little Peep as well and you got the sense that he never really got his shot and ultimately whether you were a fan of the music or whether you weren't it's it's a really tragic situation and we're going to try incredibly hard now to try and go back into no encore mode and have a bit of fun yeah uh, as bizarre as I know I know that's incredibly fucking whiplash effect of me and whatever but like ultimately so will I lighten the mood yeah, l- yeah. L- let's see what pick bo- it up a bit what box office Bob was up to shall well, we Dave the Rohingya genocide in Burma Jesus uh, Christ yeah I was trying I know I, yeah I was trying to, 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 to kind of capsize that um, yeah no Bob Geldof uh, refusing or handing back the freedom of Dublin um, in protest to the fact that it's still held by Anson Suu Kyi um, like I say yeah it genuinely is because of her um, silence on, and I suppose, you know, a lack of condemnation for uh, what appears to be an ethnic cleansing of the Rohingyans uh, in Myanmar. Uh, he said that, you know, her association with the city shames all of us and we should have no truck with it even by default. We honoured her now, she appalls and ashamed us. And yeah, kind of explained that they literally don't know what to do now because it's very hard to take his name off a scroll. Have you seen him interviewed outside Dublin Castle? I haven't. It's hilarious. It, it he honestly sounds like he's doing a wrestling promo from like the seventies or something. So okay, look r- quick around the horn. Like I saw uh, Donald Clark of the Irish Times, who I'm quite fond of. Uh, he put out a tweet on Monday and he went, "On balance, I like Bob Geldof." I know <laughs> that was just a hilarious use of, <laughs> of 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 just a few words. How do we feel about about, about Bob? I mean, I guess I'm kind of the same. Like, yeah, on balance, you like Bob Geldof? Yeah, Vanilla. I just like he. I feel like he's a bit like oh cum collector da like do you know what I mean like just <laughs> I don't know like it's just it's almost parody at this stage it like, is you know he's what a mean? fascinating guy and I'd love to interview him so Bob if you're listening you're welcome anytime on the encore uh, I hear he frequently listens uh, I'm sure he does but uh, yeah he's he's a character with a capital C and sometimes he's a complete burk and sometimes he's fascinating interesting and he has important stuff to say do you Cullum do you think that this was completely altruistic and or you know because I think he was someone was like on that interview they were like w- w- this is a publicity stunt isn't it and he was like well it is yeah of course he knows exactly what he's doing. Listen, everything that Bob Geldof has done, good or bad, is kind of a publicity stunt. I mean, Band-Aid, Live Aid, that was a publicity stunt. Now, obviously it was, you know, with a greater good in mind, but he definitely understands the power of sort of kicking up a fuss, and like I say, I mean, I, I was sitting here, like, you know, looking at this and our news agenda going like, hang on, we're talking about Anson Suu Kyi and the fucking politics of Burma on No Encore right now. You'd have to say his point's been proven in a way, hasn't it? It's quite the episode. I feel like... Pe- Jam-packed. I feel like people who, like, who checked us out on a, like, on a whim after the Galway episode were yeah. like, oh, that was a lot of fun. That was a real knockabout, you know, like, it was like watching a few comedians up there. They just seemed really sharp and quick-witted and I, and I had a really good time. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the first 20 minutes well, of yeah. back in here, on yeah. episode 88. It really it, isn't always like this, I swear. It was easier to when he was just shouting at N- Nigel Farage from a boat on the Thames or something, wasn't I, it? Another perfect example of a publicity stunt that managed so, to get further than it really should. Yeah, he, okay, so he handed back his freedom of the city, uh, he had a scroll, he climbed the steps, and he posed for the photographers, and they were like, one more Bob, and like he duly obliged. Like, yeah. you know, he was very happy to direct this circus on, sure. on, a, on a Monday morning. Um, the Dublin Lord Mayor, uh, Michal McDonagh, yeah. uh, was not pleased... 
and said that Gelov was entitled to return his award if he wished to do so. Um, but he kind of got a bit of a dig in. He said, regarding Mr. Gelov, I find it ironic that he makes this gesture while proudly retaining his title as Knight Commander of the Order of the British Empire, given the shameful record of British imperialism across the globe. Mr. Gelov last year grossly insulted the men and women of the 1916 Rising and the Centenary Year when he compared them to so-called Islamic State, causing offence to Dublin's and Irish people generally. I love that last. Causing offence to Dublin's and uh, Irish people generally. Yeah. <laughs> like, really hit the dog. So. And uh, Bob hasn't. Oh, has he responded to Colm? Like, like, or has he just completely let this one go? Well, no. Yeah, he, I, th- I think he said like the Lord Mayor is a typical Sinn Fein guy doing his usual thing. Brilliant. Um, yeah, we're shame. Serious shame shade being to thrown there. Issues at hand. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> storming a teacup. Like, I mean, name anyone else who has the freedom of Dublin. You two aside. Well, I'm glad that you say that because some bloke on Twitter, right? <laughs> I, this was my favourite thing I saw. Can't remember his name. Uh, he said, "Manners would dictate that you don't return an accepted gift. <laughs> Manners would dictate that you don't return an accepted gift. Pure Geldof nonsense and an insult to Dublin City. Uh, people were calling for Darren Randolph to get the freedom of the city. Probably not anymore. No." Although it really wasn't Darren Randall's fault. He five goals, and he couldn't have done a tap of any of them. Like, there was one pen, one bad OG, and then three absolute screamers. Yeah. Ireland aren't going to the World Cup, after all. Sad day. After David Myler, Just in case you've been asleep. After David Myler proclaimed that we will go because we have more heart and spirit than Denmark, who turns out have got a world-class footballer <laughs> and are adept at uh, capitalising on really bad tactical errors. Yeah. Thought he was going to go Five missing in a big game. Like, but <laughs> there you go. Uh, Christ Almighty. Yeah. yeah, it's been a bit of a grim week. Okay, so hey, hey, look, put it this way: as discussed, I mean, like the college work is one thing, but for Craig, this must be one of the grimmest weeks of all. Craig has been discussing since 2012 <laughs> how the music world will be saved by Jay Paul, <laughs> and this week Jay Paul emerged from his sort of self-imposed exile to declare that he and his brother have a new project have a new project they're taking over an ex-BBC nightclub <laughs> and building the Paul Institute now if you've never heard Jay Paul before and are wondering who we're talking about have a listen to this <laughs> That's Jasmine by J. Paul, one of the best songs of 2012, and one of the best songs of the last five years. J. Paul is an uh, eclectic, elusive figure in the world of music who has put out a couple of tracks that garnered an awful lot of attention and a massive cult following of his own. There was a brief period of like a day where he put out a record mm-hmm. and then it transpired that that had been leaked by somebody who wasn't him and he would make a statement about it in due course and we're still waiting about three years later. Uh, it was this kind of like ramshackle album in terms of his production but it was fascinating to listen to. Mm-hmm. I almost wrote a review of it before it was like illegally or before it was legally pulled off. There was like a, a cover of um, Crush by Jennifer Page. What a tune. Great song. So good. Yeah. Great Amazing. song. So, so good. So he's a fascinating character who Craig has really kind of pinned all of his hopes on. Mm-hmm. And he's back with a building. Sort of. Yeah, <laughs> with a building. I mean, you you mentioned that he built a cult following. 
cult is the only word that I can think of as I read this sort of stuff. Like, we're the Paul Institute. Okay, go on. Tell us about it. Tell us about the Paul Institute. Well, this is it. Nobody's absolutely sure. He came out for a photograph. His first photograph in three years. And it's, it's him breaking it's ground. It's hard hat or something. Hard hat and, like, high-vis yeah. vest. <laughs> it's a growing collective of musicians, artists, and technologists. Nobody really knows what they're producing at the moment. A.K. Paul, despite the fact that he's far more visible, is still not really. That's being his, his brother. And anybody who's worked with him has not really cooperated in terms of shedding much light on the situation. Um, yeah, th- this was The Institute itself was launched about 18 months ago. And uh, an advert for design interns was placed uh, about 12 months ago. And yeah, that's about all we know about it. They're moving into an old BBC building at this stage. Literally anything could happen also, with this. Also, BBC nightclub, if those walls could talk, huh? Anything could happen with this. Um, so, yeah, it, the reps for both J. Paul and A.K. Paul were not immediately available for further comment. No shit. <laughs> uh, You're we'll, waiting. I'll try and chase them up because I know we've got no chance of ever talking to them. Because isn't it amazing how the music world can have people like this where, like... Like Frank Ocean, for example, a high-profile example of someone who's like you know whose genius is so beloved and so believed in, even though they haven't done an awful lot, and mm. um, people just give them this amazing pass. They can do whatever the fuck they want. The what, J. Paul one is just bizarre, though, when you think about it. Like because he was signed to XL, yeah, and people thought that that album leak was actually him doing it deliberately to get out of that contract. Yeah. And it may have been, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. A rep from XL was like, no, no, this was not supposed to go out. Or, But I think they've been like, no, no, he has an album ready. We don't know if that was the album. I mean, like, yeah. it's hard to know even like what we heard or even like, kind of give it a proper review even these years on because I, I, I'm pretty sure Craig, though, I'm pretty sure he was like, no, no, it's out there. I have it and I'm I'm, I'm not giving it back. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was like, like no, this will do. It's like, you know, the one, like, pen pal letter he got from Jay Paul somehow <laughs> into the ether. But, uh, no, I mean, like, we're tracking down, is what I would say, listener. You know, hit, hit up that Google. Do your best. But, uh, you know, don't do anything illegal. That'd be wrong. So, uh, an album, though, that you will definitely be getting next year, allegedly. Uh, it seems like this is actually genuinely happening. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Kevin fair. Shields has been running his mouth a lot more than he, <laughs> a lot more than he usually does. And he says that the My Bloody Valentine album that everyone has been speculating will 100% be out next year. Probably will be out next year now. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I reckon it is happening. If it isn't in the next 12 months, then whether it's out 2019. I mean... Basically, like he he's he's been a bit too busy and a bit too visible for it to not happen. I think, and also the fact that they even like got around to making MBV after twenty one two years, twenty two years since Loveless. I guess wouldn't it have been twenty two years? Uh, sorry, yeah. I'm after going on Twitter, and I swear I'm not making this up. Uh, Gemma Samways, who is the editor uh, or one of the editors at London and Stereo Magazine, she's a really good journalist. I know very the name. Worth a follow on Twitter. She's very funny. I swear I'm not making this up. She said, anyone else just get a text from AK Paul slash J Paul? Huh. Oh there my go. god. What's going on? What's, what's, what's actually going Dude, on? I think the Paul Institute is listening to us right now. I think they're a team of technologists. They managed to ping it to London So they're going to get to us by next week So come to that quiz um, Yeah, so uh, no, 22 years I believe Because actually I should know this Because, uh, listeners, if you haven't heard our most recent Revisit episode, it's 1991 In which we discuss Loveless and Octon Baby And three other albums that aren't as good as Loveless and Octon Baby So go back That's to fair. the archives there Actually, yeah, sorry, uh, I should mention that the Revisit uh, Which you know is our Irish album flashback project That we do sporadically Whenever we can get people down, it's difficult to mm-hmm. To get a, get a, it's, it's a movable feast is what I would say. So what I would say about that though is it's now archived 
online. Uh, Looks very snazzy indeed. Really snazzy design work, which I was very happy about. I didn't even know it was happening. Uh, I really pay attention to my podcast. Uh, the link, as I as I go looking for it now, is uh, headstuff.org slash... I can't. It won't load. This, this, right, is, nope. this is this is great. This is great. <coughs> Great podcasting, isn't it? This, this is just go to my Twitter account. Classic okay? entertainment, just, just, folks. Just go to at Hanready Dave. At Hanready Dave. Dave. Give me a follow. Yeah. I'm very funny. Um, the revisit, though. Uh, all episodes that we've done so far are archived online. Go back through them. I know people love that, and it's a lot of fun to do. So, yes. Uh, Kevin Shields. Kevin Shields, my buddy Valentine. Thank you for uh, getting me back there. No matter. Love this. Fucking five star. Amazing classic. 10 out of 10. Uh, MBV, not so much. But I retain hope and interest, particularly coming off the back of that Kevin Shields, Brian Eno team up recently, yeah. which was fascinating to listen to. And yeah, fucking hell, I'll take a new Buddy Valentine album. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't say no, like, would you? Um, like I say, yeah, he, like he's doing enough. He, he's, he's touring, and he kind of said himself that touring is always a really good way to guarantee that you'll actually get a record done at some point along the way. Um, and yeah, and the fact that they actually got around to kind of like, you know, reforming and making that album 22 years later, MVB, um, MBV even, it yeah, kind of shows that basically, you know, whatever about being a movable feast, that My Bloody Valentine is something that they are willing to revisit every now and then to go back to. Nice use of the word revisit. Yeah, and also, I, I, I just wanted to use the phrase movable feast because I don't quite know what it means. <laughs> I feel like, I think it's one of those words where like... can be moved, David. It's exactly <laughs> what it says <laughs> in the, the name. Like. Okay, before we get to Song of the Week, I'd like to take the opportunity to apologise. I've got a cold and I don't sound great. So, this could be the worst episode we've ever done. Maybe maybe we'll get it in the Jesus, edit. That's Do you know what I mean? Spirit. Do you ever have those episodes where you're like, that was terrible? <laughs> and then you listen back to you and you're like, that wasn't so bad. Uh, basically every episode we've ever done. No pressure <laughs> uh, on our well, Sonic Architect Eve there. Uh, no pressure on Fanula Jones yeah. as we enter into the songs of the week. Fanula, you are our hallowed guest, so can I have a number between one and five, please? Mm, I'll take three, please, Dave. Very good. It's the return of Teo Cruz, and he's brought French Montana with him for Row the Body. And I can't cross us. Hitting no hands, only time we lost touch. Stay down till we high five. Now it's going down like my timeline. South Bronx slick Rick Juice. Slim airs with a click. I wanna give you, wanna give what you need. You got that body, got that body, I believe it. And if you bring it, if you bring it over, yes, so give me her on so I can show you what I mean. You made me hot, made me hotter than a sauna. You made me wanna vote for you like Obama. Now, Fanula, I will confess, this is in here. Fanula is dancing in our studio as we speak. Uh, what's that move called? This, yeah, uh, octopus. Okay, right. it's 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 very um, professional. I don't know, like technical. Uh, Teo Cruz, you made some noise about this. Pointed it in my direction uh, via your always funny Twitter account, uh, where you say lots of funny things all the time and insightful things too. Is this song funny, insightful, or good? What do you think? Um, I think it's definitely good. I was so swept up in like all the big releases the Friday that this was released that this completely bypassed me. Otherwise, I would have been all over this immediately. Like I'm obsessed with Teo Cruz. Like Teo Cruz brought us the very first song about like sexting. What's not to be celebrated? Like? Actually, yeah. Can you give us a bit of a potted history of Teo Cruz? People who may not be okay. So, do you want me to specifically talk about that particular song? Or well, yeah, we'll try and work it in. For sure. Oh, <laughs> treat me. Oh, I, I didn't mean. Uh, I, I was going to say treat me as you would a child. Tail Cruz a bad is up. an R sorry, I'm sorry. Superstar, I would say no less. Um, with hits such as um, Dynamite, which actually went to number one in the US, and I don't know if it went to number one over here. Like he was properly 
like a big deal for like two years and then has disappeared since then. I would say it's 2013 or 2014 since he was last around and had like charting singles. But yeah, he collaborated with Kesha before on a song called Dirty Picture, which was about sexting. Um, sexual communications. Um, so um, I was really pleasantly surprised to see that he was um, having a buzz coming back. With French Montana. Does French Montana do the same thing on every song? Uh, pretty close, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Right. And how would you describe his oeuvre? Um, Nonsense, mate. Uh, well, yeah. The Montana canon, as it were. Yeah. I, I hate to disagree completely with FJ here, but this, this is awful. Like, I mean, I mean, to be fair now, it's another one for my musical seasonal affective disorder that Chromeo started kind of playing up last week. Are you aware of this? Cullum can't listen to upbeat dance bass. Well, no, like I song actually, of the summer I, and it's like it's November. When lads. I listened to last week's podcast, I completely agreed. And then when I listened to the song, I was like, oh, I get what he's saying. Oh, that Chromeo like, song's great, man. I'm like, but I don't get why. I was kind of wondering, I was like, why did Teo not do this? Because this would have been huge during the summer. No, but like, hang, been ha- so big. No, hang on, this would be big in the summer of 2004 when they could put play it back to back with Kevin Little's Turn Me On, which is exactly <laughs> what. So like. Wow, I forgot all about that. Yeah, and, and, now, and now it's bouncing around my synapses. Yeah, and it's 13 years synapses. old. And like, there's also... Timeless. There, there's a lyric in this, right? It comes at the very end, and it says, she moves her body like she's boneless. And all I can think of is... <laughs> I don't, disgusting. No, I can't remember... I can't remem- she needs to go to a doctor. I can't remember, right? If she can make it there, If your junior sense search science book had an illustration in the sides, like mine did, which was like, you know, the importance of the skeletal system, and it'd be like, because this is what your body would look like oh if you didn't have it. All heaped up in a pile. Yes, just oh, a yeah. man <laughs> pool on the like floor. Nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah, that's what it'd be like if she's moving her body like it's boneless. French, cut yourself on. But it's just it's those lyrics. Like it's just that like ludicrousness. Like even like but dynamite. Like that wasn't obviously lyrically sound like want to throw my hands up in the air sometime singing ao gotta let go i don't i don't think i've ever been out and throw my hands up in the air and said ao I've, i definitely have. Have, well, have you dave uh it may have happened there was um you know dave when he gets going like <laughs> okay look, we mentioned on the show recently um a book that i'm very excited to read soon uh mc taboo from the black eyed peas oh, yeah. oh my god no way Do you know this? no okay right MC- i'm all MC Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas has a book and it's it's alright he's on the front cover wearing a fetching leather jacket and he's doing like a kind of a cool gang sign of course and he's got his silken hair and it's called um, Fallen Up Keep It On The Positive by MC Taboo <laughs> with like some guy who wrote it for him and I've written I've, I've seen the ending of the book I skipped the last page right and he describes singing uh, like playing I Got A Feeling at a concert with all of his fellow Black Eyed Peas members around him yeah. and he describes it as and I quote the sex moment of the concert <laughs> Good which is an expression that I never needed to have in my life and now you have it listeners yeah. so let's, let's see what you can do with it um, but the reason I bring all this up is because I recall back in the day uh, the first time I ever heard I Got A Feeling and it was before it was like you know a preview or was it coming out next week or whatever the fuck and I turned to the person next to me and I went that song will go nowhere yeah and now I've got a music podcast despite being incredibly wrong about popular music like that bloke who turned down the Beatles mate I can't believe how big that song is though, yeah. To be fair. but yeah the point is I found myself in a, in a grim Drogheda nightclub on occasion listening to I Got A Feeling and probably so liquored up on mangy bottles of soul do you threw your hands up in the air and that said I was like, Fuck you it. Have to let go I've got a feeling and I've also got a feeling that this song is not very good Colm can I have a number <laughs> let's go number one please okay uh, speaking of not very good Eminem and Beyonce have teamed up for a really bad song it's called Walk on Water and it sounds like this
It's the curse of the standard that the first of the Mathers disc set Always in search of the verse that I haven't spit yet Will this step just be another misstep To tarnish whatever the legacy love or respect I've garnered The rhyme has to be perfect The delivery flawless And it always feels like I'm hitting the mark I don't normally give my opinion before the song comes in But this one is particularly terrible Uh, Eminem Be uh, careful, that's EMA award winner Eminem you're talking about Yeah, best hip hop uh, He scooped best hip hop two days after releasing his only single this year Fair play, at least he acknowledged it He literally got up on stage and went I don't know how this works, man uh, Kind of calls the MTV EMAs into question Particularly when Coldplay win best rock and again, Lol. and I'm a bit of a Coldplay defender, you know, like, I mean, Magic, that's a fucking belter of a song. Midnight, they, they got some really, I've said before, Coldplay, you, you could make a very good greatest hit out sure. of that band. But a rock band, they don't really make. That said, and the pisses off Foo Fighters fans is alright with me. Um, I believe 30 Seconds of Mars won Best Alternative. You know, it just, it, I, I'm pretty sure this is one of those award shows where whoever shows up, yeah, yeah, gets quite an award. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so none of us watched it because you know where's the where's the relevancy in 2017, and where's the relevancy in 2017 for a song in which Eminem does the oh I'm I'm surveying my kingdom now, and mm. I'm also looking over my my life as an artist, and to indicate this, here's what I'll do: I'll have Beyonce come in and do a terrible, terrible vocal line, and I'll. I'll be, I'll be writing in the background and scrunching up papers yeah, oh, like this to, to to get across my artistry, and then by the end of it, I'll do like a bit of an annoying thing where I'll spit and I'll say, "Bitch, I wrote Stan." And as as the Pitchfork review said, "Yeah, Marshall, we remember." Yeah, uh, I mean, this is really bad. It, and it, also, what is with the vocal production on Eminem on the last three things he's put out? It sounds like he's speaking to a dictaphone from nineteen eighty five. It's Rick re- Rubin produced this. I know, I know. And Rick Rubin clearly has got this idea that, and, you know, presumably with Eminem, that it's going to be this really sort of, I, I, I guess, really raw sound, which is why you have the scribbling in the background, the scrunching of papers and all the rest of it. Couldn't actually it, believe what I was hearing. I know, it's not good. Like, I mean, Beyonce, look, I, I, I have no qualms with her part here, to be perfectly honest. I think it's fine. I mean, it doesn't fit, don't get me wrong. And I think the musical accompaniment of this song, you can't even call it a beat. Um, it, like, it's just such a small kind of a piano ballad thing. So earnest that you're just like, this is awful. What and I would then, say is Jay-Z persuaded her to do this. And I feel like whatever bit, whatever bit whatever went down the elevator lot that night with Solange, now you have grounds for divorce. Yeah, I don't know. I read somebody the other day who was saying, look, they've got at least three kids to put through college, so just dollar dollar bills y'all um but i mean it's ironic that he's got verses in here worrying about terrible verses because this is not good and those last three words where he's just like i wrote stan <laughs> it is literally just desperation clinging on to the last vestiges of what a song from 17 years and ago this is trailing a new album that comes out next year i'm, yeah. I'm not looking forward to it no. i hate this i never in fairness, I never ever got the Eminem thing. I was never really on board with him as an artist, ever. When I started listening to this initially, I was like, oh yeah, this is like grand. And I was like, this is really simple. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is just really simple. Like Beyonce's bit is so uninspired. Like it definitely was just a cash grab, probably on her part. And like it was just like this whole thing of, I'm a tortured artist, examining my God complex. Like the two of them, like, nah. Call it off, like. Yeah. Call it off. It's Call the whole it's thing shocking. off. It's I can't believe it. I actually can't believe how bad. I, okay, Eminem, I mean, I don't put him up there in any great worship. I liked him when I was younger. I do think that 
his delivery is. I, I think his delivery is his strength. He can do incredible things with his voice. He can do. He can be. He can be a machine gun. Like like rap god proves that. But I would never, you know, be the asshole at the party who's like, oh, you never really listened to Eminem, have you? Yeah, because yeah. you know, I think Eminem is take him or leave him. And I think ultimately he's been a spent force for a very long time. You get the occasional good song. I think the last good song I really liked of his was called Spacebound. I think that was like five Space or six Space is ago. great. It's a great song. It's a really, really good song. Good. It's fucking excellent. But overall, like, no, like he has. He has, again, another person you could do a great, greatest hits of, I'm sure. But this is really, I, I wouldn't put this out. I'd be like, well, no, it's not good enough. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's clearly not good enough. I mean, like, yeah, you wonder if the fact that they'd called Beyonce and on it kind of twists your arm to say that you can't leave that in the cutting room floor, you know? It's, it's very I bad. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Uh, Fanula, can I have a number, please? And of the remaining numbers that we have, um, one is one gone. Yeah. One, one is, is gone. Two, four, and five as well. Yeah, uh, five, please. <laughs> okay, it's the return of Stone Temple Pilots. That's right, they're back somehow. This song is called. <laughs> this song is. This song is called Meadow. It sounds like this. Colm's having a laughing fit because I was being morbid because the reason Stone Town Pilots are back somehow is because their vocalist Scott Wayland unfortunately tragically passed away yeah. and they have replaced him they replaced him they said they took them a long time are you composed over there? Uh, oh, you are. Okay. Uh, I, I thought you were still kind of you know, go on. having a giggle. Um, we're not laughing. Get at, better. We're not laughing at Scott Wilson's expense. By the way, no. I should point that out. Uh, he was a very, very talented and troubled man. Uh, they have found a new vocalist uh, who apparently was an X Factor contestant. Yeah, his name is uh, Jeff Gott. Great name. Finished second in the X Factor USA a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good punch, isn't it? He also did his time in new metal band, actually, which I know you will appreciate. I do appreciate. Um, what were they called? Oh, my, no, not off the top of my head, mate. Okay. Sorry. Guts, no guts, no glory. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no it's God not a pun on his name, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but this, I mean, this is just classic rock, isn't it? I mean, it depends on your taste whether you think that this is classic sound or wildly outdated. Both. Yeah, I suppose. It's, I think, I think could both, be, could yeah. be like, And I was never the biggest STP guy. I think, you know, Interstate Love Song is obviously a classic and they have their moments for sure. Um, Scott Whalen, of course, would front Velvet Revolver as well. Yeah. Uh, what was their big song again? Slither? Yeah. Good song. Um, yeah, this is hard rock by numbers, or not even hard rock by numbers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's James Addiction style, you know. Yeah, if you're into it, you're into it. I feel like fans wouldn't be offended by this guy. Yeah, absolutely. It's like when Alison Chains replaced Lane Staley with the guy who was just doing a Lane Staley impression. He can do it really fucking well. And to be fair, that takes talent. I mean, yeah. like you know, even like your man Adam Lambert going off with Queen there. Absolutely, like, yeah, yeah. It's not easy to do this, and and also filling those shoes. Like, come on. Yeah. You can never actually be that guy. Does this do anything for you at all? Not really, but I think if you are a fan of them, as you said, or you're a fan of this kind of style, it's very inoffensive. And I don't necessarily think it's bad, but it just wouldn't particularly appeal to me. What I would say is what they found with the new vocalist is like there are like you can hear bits of Wayland in him and you can hear bits of Chester Bennington in him at like times. She's yeah. like wasn't expecting like he does seem to be a good fit for them. So yeah, just in the mention of Chester Benton there, uh, Linkin Park are putting out a live album next month in memory of him and dedicated to him, so it'll be worth checking out, which actually includes his last vocal performances with them. Um, yeah, on the subject of this, I mean, like, I think it, it's an indictment, though, isn't it, for, for a rock band 2017 to be called inoffensive? Anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but then again, is that reflective of, like, what America, like, the, the, the kind of American rock 
bands are these days. I mean, like, like I saw recently that like fucking Corey Taylor and Chad Kroger have been having a feud where like Chad Kroger called Stone Sour and Nickelback light, and <laughs> you know Corey was like gave a typically annoying Corey Taylor answer because Stone Sour like the bands that draw the crowds I guess at festivals and rock festivals and the states, it's not really the golden era anymore no, is it? no not at all no. we're a long way from from the greats no and, and like I mean this as well though you know when we always give out about people saying oh you know guitar bands are dead they, these are the sources they're talking about yeah they, valid. They, this is the golden age they're looking for that's a valid enough argument uh, Cullum there are two numbers left there are Give me number four. All right, okay, yeah. This is one that kind of came out of nowhere, and I really like it. Uh, the artist is called Hatchy. The song is called Sure, and it sounds like Torn by Natalie and Brilia. Here it is. Yeah, so do am I wrong? Or am I right? Does it sound a bit like Torn? It does a bit, a little bit. I think it also sounds like I like there's a bit of shoegaze in there. There's something like the cranberries. I'll be up without yeah. Dolores O'Riordan's sort of marmite delivery. Yeah, Dahi actually came out to me with this, and he said this sounds insanely like Linger. Yeah, there's a bit of Wolf Alice in there and stuff like this, and I absolutely adore. Adore it. I love it. I listened to this the other night, man, and like, I know people say this shit, you know, in a completely hyperbolic manner sometimes. I genuinely listened to this, right? I won't say I couldn't sleep, but I was more excited going to bed than I would ideally have been trying to get a night's sleep. Like, because I was just like, this chick is for real. This is her second song, apparently. Yeah, it is. And she, um, wrote, and she wrote it in a day. Yeah. Her second song, she, she's from Brisbane in Australia. Great name as well. Harriet... Harriet Pillman. Good I name. Believe. Yeah, and she is... Or Pill Beam, my apologies. Um, she's like still playing live dates with her band, who are called Baba Ganoush, apparently. And also a great name. Yeah, she seems to be in absolutely no rush to kind of kick off the solo thing, but I know that she's playing South by Southwest next year. I went on a full-on researchy bit here. I'll tell you, do you know who else did? Uh, whoever's doing the PR for this lady, because uh, I, on Twitter, again, mm-hmm. the aforementioned Gemma Samways put it up, I listened to it, and I was like, this is fucking great. So right. I put it up myself with a hat tip to Gemma, and then I got an email from the PR saying, hey, just saw your tweet about such and such, just thought I'd introduce myself, blah, 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 blah. My email's not listed, man. <laughs> I guess it's a PR's job, <laughs> oh, but like, yeah, I guess. earning their pay. Well, um, lucky. I'll, I, I'm, I'm fine with that, because listening to this, I had a genuine feeling that this is going to be... Uh, a bit of a juggernaut if it gets going yeah uh, and I replied uh, I don't often reply to pure emails because you get so many mm-hmm. of them but I was like oh yeah cool I was like keep me updated because I'm genuinely interested I think this is excellent yeah. I just it's just really feel good it's really interesting yeah she basically thought of the melody and then wrote the song in a day and it doesn't I mean I guess it kind of has that kind of carefreeness about it but it, there's a, so much in this where like you know you have to you have to have something special in order to just have yeah. something that kind of sounds a bit throwaway, but actually isn't, but actually is. That's I'm exactly like, it. It's, it's like spending hours trying to get an out, just out of bed look. It's like it doesn't actually just happen. Believe me, when you get I know. <laughs> um, yeah, her, 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 her first single was called Try. It came out during the summer. That's where tracking down as well. Um, yeah, if, if she goes to Texas in April and comes back a bit of a star, I would not be surprised in the slightest. This is stunning. Yeah. It's so, so nice. Like, it's like just so effortless as he said 
Like, I don't think it's cliche. I get a bit of always as well. I know you were saying, like, yeah, cranberries as well. Yeah. Um, just really pretty. I hate using that word to describe music, but it's just, like, so pretty. Yeah, no, it's beautifully put together. Well, like. Colin called her a chick, so I think we're... Uh, this, this is the episode that offends everybody. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just turn a phrase, guys. You know, we're, we're trying our best. You know. All right, you're about to say the word bitch, so go. go I am about to say the word bitch, and here's why. Because <laughs> Bitch Falcon, great Bitch Falcon from Dublin, they're back. Yeah. And this is a live favourite, because I've seen them live a bunch of times now, and I'm delighted to finally hear a studio version of it. The song is called Of Heart, and here is what it sounds like. Now, if you've never seen Bitch Falcon before, I would rectify that as soon as you possibly can. And I'm pretty sure the next time you can do that is they are... Oh, they, yeah, they've landed a pretty cool support slot. They're opening up for Pussy Riot in the Button Factory on, uh, I think it's Thursday the 23rd of November. So it's pretty soon. Next week. Is that next week? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, uh, that'll be a fucking good gig. That'll be like a chaotic, noisy affair. Mm. And few do, them. few do it better than Bitch Falcon. We saw them on Hard Working Class Heroes in the Workmans there, where they basically turned the Workmans into the fucking old roadhouse from Twin Peaks to close out the festival. Uh, I'm, I love this band. I'm such a fan. And I, I think the first time I saw them was when they opened for Fucked Up, and it was the night of the marriage vote. So it was a really cool atmosphere, and everyone was in great form. Uh, they just have something special. Lizzie Fitzpatrick is an amazing, amazing front woman. And I've heard the song now about like 11 times on my travels or wherever I've seen them. So I was like, oh, class, it's that one. Like when I, because I didn't know the name of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, they're a fiercely entertaining and interesting band. And, you know, they're kind of taking their time. Like there's no real call for an album. They'll get around to that whenever they want. Uh, their singles are an advertisement to go and see them live. And like I say, take the chance because they're fucking great. I'm a fan. Yeah, no, I'm a, I've seen them live a bunch of times just like you. And obviously, blistering live act as we mentioned a little while ago, I think it was actually Googie talking about horror a fortnight ago that, you know, sometimes live acts can have difficulty in terms of actually getting that stuff on record. I think they've done quite a good job here of kind of bringing in a little extra heft, as it were. Yeah, it's lengthy as well. I mean, like, you This know, is the other thing, man, I was about to say. It. The fact that, yeah, it's got six minutes because there are a lot of things as far as dynamics go, as far as shifts go, that can be very immediate on stage. But in studio, they need time. They need a lot more sort of space to breathe. And it's been given it here. It's a six-minute song, and I think it's really clever. I think it allows the song to actually, you know, do what it needs to do and indeed do what it does live. And like I say, with a reputation like theirs, that's always going to be a good thing. Um, yeah, they're a band that have kind of escaped me for the most part until Hard and Part Working Class Heroes this year as well. And I was completely just, they tore me a new one. Um, I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of left almost wanting a bit more from the studio version. I don't know why. I just kind of thought it would smack me in the face a bit more. But I think, I think this is almost an invitation to go see them live and experience that smack in the face for reals. But I do agree that um, the length is needed, the heft is needed, it does work. But yeah, I don't know. I think vocally I was, maybe I just prefer hearing her live and that intensity. All right. There are, I mean, like, there's definitely like a degree of effects work going on here as well. So, uh, as I say, you know, if you, if you prefer it's that kind of raw style, just check them out when you can. And that does it. 
for the songs of the week. It doesn't. It brings us on to the album. Uh, you might have heard it slipped quietly onto shelves there last Friday. Um, 27-year-old Pennsylvania girl named Tater Swift uh, is back with her sixth studio album. It is called Reputation, and it sounds like this. Yeah, that is ready for it, taken from Reputation, which... Hang on a second. I have breaking news. Okay. You're not going to believe this. Joy and AK Paul have released and contributed to two new songs. Out of Released via the Paul Institute. They have just... I take it all back. Also, they are both available to hear and purchase on their website until Friday, November the 17th at 1pm. So basically they're out for 18 hours, essentially, because so we're yeah. recording this right now at 7 um, o'clock on Thursday night. Yeah, one is by Fabiana Palladino, and it's called Mystery, and the other is an act called Ruth Venn, and it's called Evil. All right. They, Jay Paul produced and mixed the former, and contributed backing vocals, electric guitar, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, this is breaking news as, as it unfolds. The cult of Jay Paul lives, and we will be running home soon. It, <laughs> should, it should be said fair fox, like, because they literally only broke ground on that spot on Tuesday. Like. Yeah, I hate to, I do hate to interrupt Taylor's review, but you know, from one reputation to another. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so yeah, this is the sixth album, obviously quite talked about. Uh, Look what you made me do was the first single and was a crock of shit. And also, is there is there a more Taylor Swift uh, song title in in existence? Ooh, I it don't un- know, man. It underlines her victim complex pretty strong, no? Well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We will. Um, I mean... Oh, hang on. Yeah, let's, in fact, yeah where, do we, where do we start well, yeah, well, Okay, well, let's have some background here. Number one, you're a fan. Uh, Gum- yeah, you have yeah. been a fan in the past. Yeah, yeah um, broadly speaking. Right. Yeah. Um, I wrote a piece this week for, for Joe.ie, by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, it's on there if you want to go and check it out. And I wrote a piece about Taylor Swift, and basically my argument was that her brand of self-obsession sticks out like a sore thumb in 2017. I think that in an era when we want more from our artists and not just very superficial, shallow, woe-is-me type stuff, I think she's doubled down on that with this record. Uh, one quick note on that article, by the way. Um, I did the silly thing, and I read some of the Facebook comments after oh God, it went online. what are you doing? And I, I ran away from them pretty quickly. I yeah, didn't get involved. But I, I do want to say that one person gave out to me and said that... They said, uh, this person obviously hasn't heard the album. And by that point, I'd heard it about six times. Yeah. By this point, I've heard it about 12 times. Uh, and they all said that, you know, I didn't Google her sales strategy, which is interesting <laughs> because I explained her sales strategy in the first few paragraphs. But sure. whatever, mate. I thought the article was fair and balanced. And yeah. I it, didn't. Okay. Now, I, this is funny because I proofread the Did article. Did you leave a Facebook day. comment? No, no, of course well, I didn't. Go ahead. Oh, it's all coming out now. <laughs> no. It's all coming out in the wash. I, pr- I proofread this article for Dave and I literally went, I'm just going to keep all my opinions to myself. Here are your only hairs. <laughs> but I, I think yeah, the whole idea. held my hand on the art. Thanks for revealing that. There. I think the whole idea of narcissism. <laughs> 
with this record is somewhat misplaced. Not that it's not clearly a lot about her, it is. I just think that we need to have some sort of difference between narcissistic songwriting and just like, you know, writing about personal stuff. And I think that if we conflate the two too much, really there's not going to be a lot of room for any sort of autobiographical work in, in music in general. It sounds like a weird comparison to use, but I was reminded of 444 and Jay-Z when listening to this, where we said that, you know, he's like a billionaire businessman with a wife and kids, and he's middle-aged, and so if he comes out like, you know, Brooklyn Hustler or just same old Hova, you're going to be like, dude, you're not. Like, we know you're not. This is nonsense. And in the same way, if Taylor Swift actually came out, like fearless Taylor Swift, or speak now Taylor Swift, and it's just like, oh, I'm just a girl next door with the guitar and some stories. The entire world would just be like, no, you're not. I completely agree. You're Taylor Swift megastar and you've got to acknowledge that in some shape or form. Yeah, like I went into this expecting to like absolutely hate it. Like I don't think anyone could say that went into it listening to the album, a fan or not, or whether you might have been like on Kanye's side or Taylor's side. Like everyone had already formed an opinion like based on the narrative and like and just yeah like I don't think if she'd come out and done a whole album and just not acknowledged it like people would have been like what the fuck yeah that's exactly and like to be fair as well like I'm not just gonna like you know giving you shit here Dave but like to be fair we had conversations about Taylor Swift dating back like a year on this podcast where you said like she's robotic and she's like a cyborg and she has no clear sort of personality so I would have thought that bringing some level of her personal life into this would have been a step in the right direction as far as you were concerned I just don't think the concerns are that lofty I don't think they're that interesting and I think ultimately get the fuck over it I mean ultimately like you're you're still writing about Kanye West from a year ago and you're like oh woe is me I'm so fucking tortured and her her perceived perception of herself, which is incredibly put upon, she's the victim. Well, like, you see, this, this is this, this, yeah, no, and I mean, like, yeah, I'd say I, I think said people, that this I, I is think an people issue are here. over it. I feel like people are really no one cares. Anymore, I really right? don't think people are is like. Really? There's no like. In fairness, I when I heard that it wasn't me put on streaming services, I was like, uh. But that's because her move, and like and, I know, and, but and I she, was like, I was you, like, you could argue that like it's a successful move. Well, no, it is a successful move. But you could argue that like you know it's the right move because she can do it. I mean, like Reputation on sure. day one sales sold over seven hundred thousand copies in physical form, mm. making it the highest selling record of the year. And also, no album this year has had a week that good, and she yep. did it, she did it in a day. She knows what she's doing. I mean, like, look, nobody will ever, and should ever, I should say, um, accuse her of not being fiercely intelligent and quite savvy. She she writes the playbook, in a way. But I don't think it's a very interesting book to read, and I think that the material isn't strong. You see, I mean, like, here's the thing, okay? Like, just, just to go back, first of all, to, to, to victimhood, it, like, that is a real conversation point for Taylor Swift, just top to bottom these days. Mm. Um. I think a lot of it has to do with whether or not you can listen to this album and find some level of, I don't mean to sound this, make this sound too pseudo-philosophical, like, but if you can find some level of humanity where there is a sort of a person who is realising, and I think that there's a sense of realisation in this album that her sort of celebrity feuds and the tabloid gossip and so on and so forth and her real life are actually closer to the same thing than she had thought. That when she's having fights with people who she's collaborated with or who she's had these public fallings out with and stuff, that is actually the reason that the phone isn't ringing when she's sitting at home alone. 
or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And the relationships that end up, you know, maybe at times in their career being sort of used to her advantage, at times being tried to keep private and having their privacy invaded, whatever. But that, you know, again, th- those are real relationships and those will actually fall apart um, because of her professional actions as well. And I think there's a certain level of kind of trying to unite those two ideas throughout this. I thought it was a pretty decent record to be perfectly honest i mean my expectations were low partially just because of look what you made me do which is perhaps the worst lead single for an album that turns out to not be diabolical in itself it's not diabolical by first imagination but i don't think it's good i think that's it's very i think it's very flat i think the production i'm surprised at how it sounds i think it sounds pretty bad i think that like whatever decision was made by max martin jack ansonoff and a host of people Whatever computer or computers that they fucking used, or whatever studio tricks were pulled, it doesn't sound good. It sounds a bit boring. It sounds a bit cheap and mechanical. And I don't think there's any moments of great interest. I think she has good flourishes. I think on the track end game, like this is an album that's quite light on features, as I noted in the yes. thing I wrote. There are only two featured guests, and they're on the same song, mm-hmm. and that means we get future which, you know, good boost for his socials and his bank balance. And Ed Sheeran, and a good boost for him being a dreadful rapper because he gets to rap. He um, doesn't really rap. He, like, it's, this his, is, no. it's his version of rap. I know, but it, you can't really call it that. Like, he speaks two lines. I, like, I, <laughs> yeah. I went into, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is the height of Caucasianness, and this is going to be terrible. And Endgame ended up being probably one of my favourite songs and I kept coming back to it. She's very it good at so, this. I also like, think she's done uh, the very clever thing of she has not opened the track and then tried to just shove the last the two guys in for their verses at the Completely end. Completely agree, yeah. If this is as much like a she, future in a cheering song featuring Taylor Swift. She Sips, uses so speak, them like. as pawns, and I don't actually yeah. mean that for once as a robotic Taylor Swift thing. She uses them very effectively, and yeah. that's what a future artist should be. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is your album and you're bringing in future artists, that's exactly what you should do. You should yeah. use them to the best of your and their ability, and you shouldn't shy away from positioning them in that regard, because that's what you're fucking paying for. Uh, Future, incidentally, has an incredible real name that I did not know. Until yeah, Navadius Wilburn. Great name. Excellent. I would have I went with that. You yeah. know, Future's all right, but, like, whatever. But, yeah, I just... Look, here's the thing. I mean, like, I don't really have, like, a hardcore dislike of Taylor Swift. I really don't. Uh, I just find her quite... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I mean, like, I can't... Boring. Warm- which? Boring? No, no, not even that. I mean, I can't warm up to her. I can't, like, you know, right. I, I can't connect with her. Yeah, and I mean, you see, like, I, like at a certain level, I will say that this is an album that, because it's kind of uh, as much rebuttal and addressing things that have happened before, I think if you don't have any connection to the artist or haven't had up to this point, then maybe, yeah, it is going to leave you slightly colder. I think she, uh, I think this album would be better served if it was five tracks shorter, and that's not just my usual. Yeah. I like a 10-track album. I think that, for example, a track like Gorgeous, that, com- that this seems like it was on an album with Taylor Swift eight years ago. Yeah, a little bit. There's a lot of, like, you know, ideal fantasy male thing that Can she Can I say was- as well, actually, Gorgeous, and I'm not mad about that track, right? It's not but good. it reinforces my theory. Taylor Swift is perhaps the best bridge writer in music right so now. So good. Well, the bridge in Look What You Me Would Do is amazing. That's what I'm saying. Her bridges are, even in bad songs, you're, you're just like... Yeah, that they bridge there that's, is actually That's yeah. one of the reasons why Look What You Made Me Do is so annoying because yeah. I want to like it because that bridge is fucking brilliant yeah. and then the chorus hits and it's a fucking stinker. Yeah. You're like, oh, Jesus. And it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get any better the more you listen to it. You're like, oh, God. Because like, that build-up is 
fantastic. More of that, please. Yeah. The last track on the album, New Year's Day, is the first song in 15 where she actually just strips it all back again. And it's not even to the like Nashville country thing. It's just a really nice strip back song. There's an album in here that could be good. I just think that her what was on her mind clouded it. And right. I think that ultimately it's a bit petty. I think it's shallow. I think it's a little bit like, you know, like I was excited for this. You might not think that I was, but I was because I was like, okay, she's going to fucking hit back. And then it's just a collection of average pop songs. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's enough above average here to say that it is a good album. Like I say, I thought it was really pretty decent. I, I understand what you mean in terms of album length, but frankly, that's always been something of her career that she's she's put out 70-odd minutes worth of album before. The fact that this clock's in under an hour, and the fact that like it's, it's all you know four-minute pop. I One mean, last thing I, 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 I want to say, just kind of before I throw it to you, Fanula, is I want to see less Jack Antonoff on records, please, next year. No, Do he's you, so good. I don't think he is. Uh, I don't think I don't think his best work isn't on this. Like I think there were a lot of things where he just. I'm not just sure. Kind of I, re- I reckon it might be, man. I don't know. I, I, re- I, think I reckon a couple of these last songs stack up with anything that he's put on the Lord or Saint Vincent records. I don't know. Like, there's a couple of things where Getaway Car, like, I feel like was his song, and they were kind of rushing to like shove things into reputation. They were like, "Oh yeah, Grant," like, as you can hear him immediately off it. It's just a bang of bleachers off it. Like, right. um, it's. But I do agree. Like, there are some songs, and like, he's just he has that touch, like, where he just the production and everything. I think where she kind of stayed in line with what she did did with 1989 really works you have like dress and you have uh, king of my heart yeah. like they're really good and then you have the kind of bigger songs where she's trying to be stronger where she's trying to snap back this is why she can't have no- this way you can't have nice things that doesn't work it's like character character that was a bit of crack no like I think it was just I think where, she, where she's trying to be herself and maintain that as opposed to like playing this big fighter and that she can clap back at everyone it just doesn't work again and like I say though that like for me that was a vital part of this album that that if she was just you know oh oh what's been happening in the past three years you would have just been like come on well no but I think when she does it in her style where what's the song at the end um, call it what you want mm-hmm. that works because at least like she's acknowledging everything that's kind of gone sure. on and it's kind of, but it's still in her own sense where it's about someone she's with and it's like a confession of love and about how that's kind of what it all boils down to. And I know people were connecting it to Love Story off her second album where it was like, that was kind of very rigid, like we're together, we are in love to, she's with this person now and she doesn't care what the media say about her or what anyone says about the yeah. relationship. Um, there's progression there, there's like maturity there. That works. But in terms of, it's why I felt um, look what you made me do didn't work why that didn't work why this is why we can't have nice things didn't work but even beyond that um, So It Goes is this big song this massive production on the chorus mm-hmm. and it goes nowhere like I feel like Katy Perry could have done something with it or like Rihanna Katy Perry. or I know ironic but like uh, Rihanna like Diamonds era like she's not vocally she writes these songs and she's not in range for them and I feel like she could have taken the song all the way there 
and she just does right. it. Uh, speaking of Katy Perry, Roar is a better song than anything on this record. As regards, I think it's mm. interesting that uh, you would use the word maturity there. I think this is quite an immature record, and I think you know, coming from someone who's approaching her thirties, uh, I think it's I think it's too high school. I think it's too petty. I think it's too mildly vindictive. It's not even it's not even interestingly vindictive enough to be to be like, oh wow, I can't believe she said that. It's just kind of like. Her insults are weak, but I, yeah, but like this is not a hip hop beef. Like no, she was like, never going to come out here and like start dropping. No, but then bars, even like, but like, even like, even like you know, like fucking seize power, you know, and like you know, like fucking climb aboard your own throne and own it. These are just f- five out of ten songs. She, I really like, think she does think that she's probably attempting to do this with this record, though. I think so, and I think even like this is why we can't have nice things is terrible. It's <laughs> like, awful. It's terrible, and it's and it's so. It, it, this is like this. These are like PG thirteen, you know, like kind of feuds. But of course like, they are. No, but even like it's just like I just thought there was more to her. Possibly, I mean, for example, like I say, look at like Selena Gomez, you know, one of her fucking best mates, and she's going from strength to strength. I think as an artist, and like is, is making interesting choices. Uh, yeah, See, uh, Taylor Swift. Is I like, really I, don't I, think you can I, compare I, them. I, 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 yeah, maybe, I, maybe I, it's unfair, but I, I look through pop in the past few years, and I genuinely. Like, 1989 is, for me, the best pop album. Straight pop. Like, straight-up pop album of the decade. Um, I pref- might prefer Grimes, but I'm not sure if you really count that in the same sort of Do you think 1989 is better than Dangerous Woman? By a million yes, miles. absolutely. This really? is better yes. than Dangerous Woman. This, this is, is no, terrible. it is not. Danger, Dangerous Woman is a distinctly mediocre record. With a couple of massive hit singles. It's a really good record. Dangerous it's, Woman is mediocre. It's not. Dangerous Woman is decent, great. Like, it's not. It's Ariana Grande has, and I'm sorry, this is true. Ariana Grande has just been heralded as some sort of phenom. When that album, I mean, did you hear about how dangerous she is? Because she'll fucking tell you, mate. It's I think that's awful. Your, I think it's, like if you're going to talk, if you're going to talk oh, about a mature Dangerous album, Woman, that, Dangerous Woman is a, is a seven out of ten. This album is a five out of ten. This is not a this five is, out of ten. It is a five it's out of ten. It's a five out of ten. It's very like it's it's bottom heavy in terms of all the stuff. It's like I went into this as I said with the bar set low, and nobody should have to do that for who someone who is seemingly the biggest artist in the world. Yeah. And I even tweeted before I listened to it, or like two days before it came out, I was like, I want two bangers, and I'd be happy. <laughs> and like I probably got four. But, like, that's still out of a track list of what? Like, 15. 15? That's not good enough. That's not good enough from Taylor Swift. It's just not. I don't even think you got four. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's in the middle. I think it's, like, you know, I, it's neither. There's nothing here to get excited about. Yeah, I, I, really, I really thought I'd come in and be either really angry about it or herald this as, oh, my yeah, God, I, it's, nine, it's on par with 99 or it's better. And it's yeah. just not. Like, I agree. It's in between being really angry at it and heralding it as something that's the greatest ever. But it's way above average. This, for me, is like a seven, maybe a seven and a half. That's I unbelievably honestly, generous. I honestly think that you're 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 being too kind to this I'm record. really not, because, see, here's the thing. I mean, like you said, like, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. I mean, like, I am and I'm not. As in, like, I love 1989. I really couldn't fuck about her social life. I find it, that talk very boring. And her country stuff, I just really am not all that familiar with. I'm glad with. you liked it. I believe that you believe it's a 7.5. I just don't see it. I don't I, hear it. I, I just don't. I think that there's more than enough quality in here to, to take it above average. There's missteps, no doubt about that. And there are sort of some elementary problems in terms of kind of, like, I think I think teething issues almost in terms of, like, what she's realizing how to write as a grown-up and, and as a celebrity. 
But um, but yeah, I think this is a, a, a well above average album. Um, and yeah, like, what? It doesn't really matter if you're going to listen to it. You're going to listen to it anyway, aren't you? Like this is this is yeah. the one where we're like, give it a go. Might have slipped your radar. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. And like you know, even people who like object to us kind of reviewing pop records, not that people really do, but some people do. I I fucking love pop music. This is the thing. I mean, I was having this conversation the other day. And I was saying how, like, when I was in my teens, and I only listened to metal and new metal and that kind of stuff, I was like, yeah, fuck pop, man, that's shit. And I was so wrong, and I was delighted when in my kind of early 20s or whatever, like, I kind of turned the corner, and I adore it. I, I love I love all music that works, and pop music is very difficult to do, and to do well, and I just think this one falls short of standards and expectations. Um, what I would say, though, is, you know... Yeah, if you like Taylor Swift, I don't know. If you're a diehard fan, I even think that you will be disappointed. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Cullen is right. Uh, as for other things that we could listen to this week, I really wanted to sit down and listen to the new Godflesh record, Post Self, but I just haven't had the fucking time because I got that sent to me. Um, what, what what are we going to do? Sounds like my sort of music, that, doesn't it? Godflesh. <laughs> yeah. They're a good band. What uh, are we going to do with the Morrissey record, which it will be Burn out it? by the time of this pass. podcast? I mean, yeah, like, I, I, I feel like that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Like, as, uh, as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, uh, in tribute to the late great Sean Hughes, um, everybody grows out of their Morrissey face, except, except Morrissey. for Morrissey. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I used to have that line about Kevin Smith. I was like, you know, I grew up, but he didn't. Um, that's kind of the same thing there. And of course, Morrissey has really let himself down quite a lot in recent yeah. times. I don't even know if I listen to it. I, like, I don't even know what we're going to review next week. Hopefully, it's not that, but it might be because I don't know what the fuck we're going to do instead. Uh, but uh, yeah, one there's a song actually. I because I, I, I've been going back through like uh, playlists of the mid two thousands and stuff, and it's your typical like you know alternative indie hits or whatever, and some of them don't qualify at all. Right. But there's been a few gems. Uh, one of which is um, the skin of my yellow country teeth by. Clap your hands, say yeah. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, great band. It's such a great fucking song. So good. And I, I was actually listening to. I was having a very enjoyable Scrabble battle the other day with somebody. Sounds intense. And uh, did you win? I didn't win, uh, but I should have won. But nonetheless, uh, it's actually a euphemism for you don't want to know. <laughs> this uh, this song came on uh, by Clap Your Hands, say yeah, and I was like, oh man. Every time I hear, it, I'm just I'm brought back to where I first heard it, and I was kind of likening to another uh, song. There's a great song by a band uh, called The Boy Least Likely to. Yeah, the yeah, song yeah. is "Call 'em Glad I Hit I Hitch My Apple Wagon to Your Star." Sure, worth checking out. As are clap your hands. So yeah, who I've never fucking seen live, by the way, and I missed them last time I they were over. I saw them back in the Pav in Cork. Did you many years ago? Good. Yeah. Yeah, great, really good, really good. All right, well, they're they're coming back next year, I believe. May, I think, in the Tivoli. May May in the Tivoli, I believe, where 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 I saw the horrors. Put it in the diaries. Where uh, where Perfume Genius is playing in December. I just thought today. So didn't go quite go back that far myself. But my listening for the week uh, was uh, the Wolf Alice album, which, if I remember correctly, was right around our live show, and then we did the Killers and the Horrors and so much shit that I just didn't really get around to giving it life. Yeah, didn't fully give it uh, the time that it deserved, and uh, yeah, it did deserve that time because it is very good um, I haven't been listening to very many albums but um, I've been adding to my um, bad bitch playlist because I am doing a half marathon next week which has um, found itself containing a lot of grime and a lot of hip hop so I was very happy to hear that Wiley is coming back in February oh, yeah. after um, a set that I missed at Longitude because when I arrived someone told me he'd cancelled so I left 
Lo and behold, he hadn't cancelled and was just laid on stage. No, he, he'd been locked outside the gate, wasn't it? It was just, it was It was not a good time for me. There was a sad bus trip home, watching videos. It's not a good time for me when all of my friends are doing fucking marathons. Uh, friend of the show, Dave Higgins. Ah, one. Friend of the show, Dave Higgins, did his marathon recently. He did a full one. He, yeah, came in he under was a mess. Higgins. 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 Came in under four hours. Well done, Higgins. Yeah. Woo! Uh, you're raising funds, though, aren't you? Yes, um, I am raising funds for the Irish Cancer Society. Um, I will tweet the GoFundMe link if anyone wants to donate we've well hit our target but we're just trying to raise as much funds as possible and once again where can we find you on Twitter um, I'm at Fanula J fantastic um, thanks so much for coming in and no bothers it was an absolute pleasure and not letting us down like Craig did yet again uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just delighted he pulled out because I was the hungry under, understudy 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 waiting to sweep the in, hungry so. understudy sounds like a really weird kids book I think it sounds like um, a weird college bar in like Oxford Oh yeah, for oh, sure. Oh yeah, yeah that works. Where they only play mystery jets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The Maccabees. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Felix and Hugo and Horatio <laughs> and whatever they're called. Orlando. Lance. Thanks very much, Colm Regan, as well. Cheers, uh, to play us out this week, as always, we like to close with some good Irish music if we can. And I'm very fucking excited about this. Uh, it came out today, and we we have it now because we come out on a Friday. That's just how time works, ladies and gentlemen. Super extra bonus party are back. The fucking excellent, excellent choice music prize winning band. Their first song in seven. Years, seven long years. Mm-hmm. Northern Irish people might not like the title. It's called Switzerland. It's a reminder of them getting also turfed out of the World Cup. But lads, this is a six-minute banger, and it goes in lots of different directions. And I'm really, really glad to hear them again. They're a great fucking band. It's great to have them back. And yeah, more of this, please. Super extra bonus party, Switzerland. We'll play us out. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There shall be no encore. Welcome back, Super Extra Bonus Party.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.